everyone. It's great to be back with you today for another episode of the In Focus podcast, taking a fresh look at the Bible and some big Christian ideas, how they bring our world into focus and empower us to live a new, more eternal kind of life within it. I'm your host, Justin Laughlin, husband, dad, pastor, adjunct professor, and most importantly, follower and disciple of Jesus Christ. As happened back in the summer of 2020, uh, summer 2021 also turned out to be a break from podcasting. Uh, My family operates very much on a school year calendar with Jody and the boys. So once everyone is home from school for the summer, it ends up turning out to be very difficult to find the extra time and especially the extra quiet time to continue podcasting. But with everyone back in school and actually Seth off now at college, I'm excited to be back with you for a couple more episodes on women and the Bible and church and in leadership. And then after that, I'm really excited to launch one of two new series, and I'm not actually even sure which one will come first. So I guess we will all have to wait and see what's next. But now to the business at hand. If you haven't yet, uh, I'd strongly recommend listening to the previous episodes in this series. Uh, They address the bigger, more foundational issues regarding women in the church and leadership and ministry in in the Bible at large. Uh, And then today, we are working outward to a series of passages known as the Household Codes. And these are the classic go-to proof texts for the quote-unquote Christian teachings affirming the idea that the husband is in charge of the wife and is the primary authority in marriage. And for reference, the household code passages are found in Ephesians, Colossians, and 1 Peter. And then another very similar passage is found in Titus, which we will also examine briefly. So, the task before us is to understand and apply these passages faithfully. Uh, And I think that may help today to come down to three C's, if you want to put that in the back of your mind. And as a preacher, I feel like the occasional alliteration is important. So, the three C's we want to consider today, context, consistency, and content. So, let's begin with Ephesians We are going to start in uh, chapter 5, verse 22, and then roll through the beginning of chapter 6. So, here is that passage for you, the household code passage from Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. 
Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Bondservants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is bondservant or free." Masters, do the same to your slaves and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. Okay, there you have it. Uh, The household code from Paul's letter to the Ephesians dealing with three primary relationships, husband, wife, uh, husbands and wives, uh, parents and children, and then slaves and masters. So, first, context. Uh, Paul is writing to people living within a pro-slavery patriarchal society. And instead of challenging these cultural and societal norms, Paul simply advises followers of Jesus how to be faithful disciples in the midst of their circumstances. Here's how to be a faithful husband in the midst of a patriarchal society. Here's how to be a faithful wife in the midst of a patriarchal society. Here's how to be a faithful slave in the midst of a slavery culture and economy. And here's how to be a faithful slave owner or master in the midst of slavery culture and economy. So, the context um, binds these two relational dynamics together, husband and wife, as well as master and slave. So, let me also note briefly, as I did before, that the parent-child relationship is included. Uh, For the sake of simplicity and brevity of this episode, uh, this relational dynamic is not really in focus. Again, the primary focus of this episode within this series is women and uh, secondarily gender hierarchy. So, the inclusion of slavery in each of these texts is you that is used, um, the text used to propagate quote unquote Christian patriarchy is being considered slavery, that is, uh, because it is most germane to the primary focus of women and gender hierarchy. Anyway, so. Uh, We will continue considering the women and marriage issue, um, particularly in the context of slavery, because in each of these passages, they are bound together. So, uh, with the conjunction of patriarchy and slavery in mind, we come to the issue of consistency. Whatever we determine about Paul's position on gender hierarchy within marriage, we must be prepared to carry over to his position on slavery because, again, in each case, these two are addressed together. So, here are the two choices before us uh, that consistency would demand. First, we can conclude that Paul is advocating that these cultural norms, patriarchy and slavery, and the values of 
patriarchy and slavery be standardized and valued within the church for Christian people. So, we can take the position that Paul is advocating for gender hierarchy within marriage and that Paul advocates for slavery. This would be a consistent interpretation of this and all of the other household code passages. Or we could conclude that Paul is advocating for Christ-likeness regardless of cultural norms and values. In this position, Paul is neither advocating for gender hierarchy within marriage, nor is he advocating for slavery, but that if either of these or both are the cultural norms within which we as God's people find ourselves, um, then we must live and love like Jesus regardless of our circumstances, whether they be good or evil. So, what is not consistent is to decide that Paul is advocating for gender hierarchy within marriage, but not equally advocating for slavery. Again, he makes no distinction um, in the two. He just rolls through uh, from the marital relationship to the parental relationship to the slavery uh, slave-master relationship. There's no distinction one to the next. Uh, so, this brings us then, having addressed something of the context and consistency, to the content. Uh, wives, husbands, slaves, masters. Let us all live faithfully before Jesus and before the world as followers of Jesus. So, that's um, pretty well no doubt that's consistent throughout this and every other passage. Wives, love your husbands, submit to them the same as you do to Jesus. Husbands, love your wives and care for them the same way you are cared for by Jesus. And incidentally, husbands and wives, don't forget there's something bigger at play in all of this. First, uh, when you were married, you became one. And second, Marriage is a mysterious picture of Jesus and the church. So, as a married couple, make sure you do this well before God and before the world who's watching. And then second, um, regarding another precarious relationship, slaves, serve your masters as you would serve Jesus. Masters, do the same. Don't forget masters and slaves. Uh, that there's something else bigger at play in all of this for you as well. You are both living before your genuine and true master who is in heaven, with whom there is not the same partiality that you are now experiencing in your earthly culture and circumstances. So, without a doubt, um, as to the content, Paul advocates for Christ-likeness despite our circumstances, whether or not that includes patriarchy or slavery. However, this is certainly not the same as advocating for both of those cultural and social constructs. Um, for centuries, of course, much of the church did advocate for both patriarchy and slavery, citing these passages. And it is easy to see in retrospect for all of us today how foolish and evil even that was regarding slavery. Um, unfortunately, what does remain in much of the church today um, is that we need to be consistent with our judgments, our interpretations, and our use of scripture um, because slavery and patriarchy, it, according to all these passages, have to go hand in hand. So, to be consistent, 
uh, what we decide about one, we have to also be deciding about the other. So, having said that, let us now turn to Colossians, uh, where the exact same scenario unfolds. And by the way, we started with Ephesians because Ephesians, if any passage, is the strongest uh, seeming proponent for the gender hierarchy thing. Colossians will be much less. And then as we turn to Peter, um, we'll discover something even more pointed and um, wonderful that Peter has to say about that. So, uh, moving on, let's go to now Colossians chapter 3, verse 18. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, loves your, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Slaves, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. For whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus. And uh, going on from there, masters treat your slaves justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. And then Paul continues on from there. Um, so, uh, let's back up quickly and go through the context within the letter to the Colossians. Paul opens up with a segment in chapter one, and he basically said, hey, here's my prayer for you guys, and let me tell you then just how awesome Jesus is. He moves on from that uh, profound and wonderful Christology uh, to say, you know, I know you're facing some challenges in living all this out. Um, and then he continues in chapter three, uh, this is all about living a new kind of life as a new kind of people together. And then where we picked up, uh, you all need to work this out, this new kind of life together in practical daily ways, even in your closest relationships, namely in marriage and parenting and in the slave master dynamic. So once again, uh, Paul advocates for a Christ-like new way of living and relating without challenging or even addressing the prevailing culture of either patriarchy or slavery. Uh, what Paul thinks about these cultural norms, we are left to decide for ourselves. What Paul does insist upon is that we live and relate in a Christ-like way, even in the midst of them. So, to be consistent, once again, as with Ephesians, we must either determine that Paul is advocating for the cultural norms, including both patriarchy and slavery, or that he is only advocating for Christ-likeness regardless of the culture norms in which we find ourselves. Um, now, let us move forward to 1 Peter chapter 2 for a similar, though much more edgy perspective on the matter of patriarchy and gender hierarchy. And I am flipping... Over to First Peter now. There we have it. Okay, First Peter chapter two, uh, verse thirteen through chapter three, verse seven. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish 
those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Subjects, uh, sorry, excuse me, servants, be subject to your masters uh, with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing when, mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if, when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving an example that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed for you were straying like sheep, but you have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Likewise, women be subject to your own husbands so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children, if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. And then Paul continues from there. So, um, here's the flow of the passage. Paul addresses politics, and in particular, submitting to the emperors who, in the most case, called themselves God and Lord. Um, whom titles for whom on, only Jesus is due. Um, they killed people. They were terrible. But nevertheless, uh, Peter opens with um, thoughts on submitting to the political f- powers over us. Um, he moves to suffering um, the same way Jesus suffered unjustly, whether that be politically or or, as Peter continues, as a result of gender hierarchy in marriage. Note how uh, Peter took off in his words to the wives. Likewise, in other words, the same way Jesus submitted uh, to worldly powers and suffered for it, wives, so you should be subject to your own husbands. So when your husbands subject you through their worldly power and act like worldly unjust people, you wives act like Jesus and even submit to that. Remember Sarah, Peter continues, the wife who was faithful even when her quote-unquote hero of a husband 
gave her away for the sexual pleasure of other men, the guy who fathered a child through another woman, submit to your own husbands even like she did. So, whereas Paul, who was not married himself, was more neutral and even-handed in um, the, the wording and phrasings of his household codes. Um, and to be honest, Paul sounds a lot more favorable toward patriarchy. Peter has a much sharper edge toward all this. He's not losing himself in cultural soapboxing and virtue posturing, posturing as uh, our contemporary culture is common to th- uh, think as valuable, but uh, Peter retains his focus on Christ-likeness, but Peter leaves no question as to his true feelings about patriarchy. As he says, in light of that, he is leaving it to the women in such patriarchal marriages to be the ones who are actually being like Jesus, specifically because their husbands are not. Finally, we will turn to Titus chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Let's read that real quickly as well. As for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, and sound in faith and love and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good and to train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works and in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned so that an opportunity may be, uh, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Slaves be submissive in everything to their own masters. They are not to be well-pleasing. They are to be well-pleasing, excuse me, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. Okay, so uh, in Titus, this last passage, a similar, which is similar to the others in many ways, um, what stands out once again is the call to live counterculturally and Christ-like lives. Old men, old women, young women, young men, slaves, everybody live in such a way as to be a witness to the world around you so that the world will have nothing bad to say about Jesus and the word of God, and the world will be intrigued and astounded at the kind of people you are and the kind of lives you're living and the kind of relationships you maintain. Once again, that is um, completely in line with the other household passages from Paul and Peter. Uh, No time is wasted and no energy spent on challenging cultural norms um, or um, coming against them. The only thing in focus, and once again, is the mission and glory and testimony of Jesus Christ. So, there you have it for the Household Codes, a series of passages commonly proof-texted to validate quote-unquote Christian patriarchy and marriage, but in each case, what is actually in focus is Christ-likeness in our behavior, attitudes, and relationships. And in each case, patriarchy and slavery are on equal planes as social constructs, Um, that are not really addressed in and of themselves. Rather, what is in focus 
is being Christ-like even in the midst of these things, uh, to interpret the marital relational advice in these passages as a biblical advocacy for patriarchy or gender hierarchy is to equally interpret the slave owner relational advice as biblical advocacy for slavery, which I don't think anyone um, would be so um, uninformed to do. Um, But, you know, that's the case. So, um, and this is at the very best, by the way. Peter goes much further in the perspective that marital patriarchy is an example of the man acting worldly and putting it on the women to be the ones that are like Jesus, um, the suffering leaders in the marriage um, under the hand of the worldly husbands. So, um, again, I don't think any husbands want to be that guy, even though um, way too many of us are so quick to latch on to the idea that the Bible wants us to be the um, authority figure. So, there we have the household codes in the light of context, consistency, and content. Uh, Does the Bible advocate for both marital patriarchy and slavery? I certainly do not think so, and I also hope you don't either. Um, So there you have it. Uh, One more episode down on women in the Bible and one more to go. Thanks for checking out today's episode. I hope that it has helped bring your world into a little better focus and empowered you to live a more eternal kind of life within it. If you're streaming today's episode from a podcast provider like Apple, Google, Spotify, or anybody else, it'd be great if you take a second to give it a good rating and review, uh, maybe even become a subscriber. If the show the show is still uh, new and pretty small, so your response helps it become a little bit easier for new people to find in the future. If you'd like, you can also share this episode directly with your friends on social media. I will provide a link to do so in the show notes. Uh, If you'd like to hear about anything specific from the Bible in the future or a big Christian idea, please email me using the address that's also included in the show notes. And I would welcome along with that any feedback that might help me improve. And I'd love to hear about um, any thoughts you have. Uh, Until next time, as we continue the series on biblical considerations surrounding women in the church, women in leadership, and women in ministry, thanks again for being a friend of the show and for tuning in. May your world continue coming into clearer focus, and may God lead you into an increasingly eternal kind of life before Him.